The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing global affairs, this is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, great. Previous hour with Ben Massman, Texan down in Panama, who's got a great community, corazondelcielo.com. If you missed it, check the archive. Uh, and if you're looking for a place to bug out to for the Great Reset, the end of the world as we know it, or maybe even the uh, very end of the world, Panama uh, is one option. Uh, and we got René de Vrier, uh joining us soon uh, to talk uh, Canada, Dutch politics. He was a candidate for the um, People's Party of Canada. Um, what's happening? We've got reports that approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. Um, and that basically uh, they're residing in the 27 EU member states, including Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Norway, many uh, undocumented. What does that say about that such a quantity of men in Ukraine not willing to fight in this war. It's basically a globalist war. Um, you know, it, it depends on the war. I think I had a guest on the other day. We were sort of commenting uh, on this in passing. Um, it's it's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war. I wouldn't want to participate in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Um, the Cradle has a few interesting reports. Saudi Arabia hopes to subdue resistance access by investing in Iran. The kingdom fears the outbreak of regional war remains a possibility, particularly given Israel's plans to continue its war in Gaza. So it seems like Saudi Arabia, you know, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, He's got his globalist plan for Vision 2030, the line, Neom, out there in Babylon, um, and he doesn't want it disrupted. And I think, you know, he's um, he seems to be behind the scenes, if you ask me, pretty pro-Israeli uh, and working with Israel and integrating. Uh, so he seems like he's trying to get Iran to, to simmer down now, simmer down, right? <laughs> uh, so that's all these interesting dynamics you know it's not that simple uh the, the article discusses you know it's a it's a two-pronged sort of diplomacy going on here uh 5d chess right as they call it israel drone pilots uh, this is a new reporter as well from cradle israeli drone pilots targeted their own settlements and bases and civilians on october 7th the pilots never imagined they would have to carry out airstrikes on their own territory and on such an undreamt of scale uh, Israel's fleet of Hermes 450 Zeke armed drones carried out attacks on Israeli military bases, settlements, and civilians during the during the Hamas attack on October 7th, according to a report from Mispacha magazine. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think part of it as well, they would have had to have targeted Hamas fighters on their territory, but uh, you can get more information from Cradle uh, detailing th these uh 
events. Uh, Popular Mechanics is reporting for the first time since 1965, the US military will blast a nuclear reactor into space. Um, basically that the US military, after awarding Lockheed Martin with a contract related to the Draco program is forking over another 33.7 million to the aerospace company to make a nuclear powered spacecraft. The spacecraft will use nuclear fission to power Sterling engines, creating electricity for propulsion, onboard systems, and payloads. Will Star Trek become a reality? That is um, an interesting <laughs> question. I guess we'll find out. Um, Russia is concerned about Israel's plans to use chemical weapons in Gaza. The Russian permanent representative to the OPCW calls out media reports that Israel intends to apply nerve gas or other chemical weapons to clear out resistance fighters from tunnels, a common tactic of the West to use, um, you know, weapons that are not approved by under international law or use them and then accuse the Russians or the Syrians of, of using them when it in fact was the West. I don't know what to think of this, but Michael Saylor of MicroStrategy, they have just purchased another round of Bitcoin. They just purchased 16,130 Bitcoin at a total cost of $593 million. Take that for what you will. Is it time to back up the crypto truck? I, I don't know. Um, reports that it's not going good for startups so far this year 543 startups shut their doors due to bankruptcy that this is the highest number um since tracking um since the data has been tracked on on, on startups so that can't be a good sign uh also there's an interesting piece from wall street journal on why no one wants to pay for the green transition the economics of getting to net zero remain fundamentally dismal someone has to pay for it and shareholders and consumers decided this year it wouldn't be them uh, also financial contagion warning hsbc bank is told to brace for catastrophic 6.3 billion dollar hit we keep seeing bank banks uh going under so we uh you know how close are we to the edge we will eventually find out um a reminder you can listen to TNT radio uh many ways live you can stream direct from the website tntradio.live on whatever device you're using desktop la uh, laptop tablet mobile you can download the smartphone app to your mobile from the app stores we're also streaming live on youtube rumble and odyssey we've got you covered on tnt radio giving you what you want i want the fact today's news talk radio tnt Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has initiated legal action against pharmaceutical giant Pfizer, citing allegations of deceptive practices related to the company's COVID-19 vaccine, the Pentagon juice. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. Uh, as much as we would all love to see the makers of the jabs being sued for the obvious reason uh, they should be sued for, uh, that is poisoning people 
with that garbage. Uh, maybe this is like a sideways jab at the jab makers uh, by going after them with this misrepresentation uh, attack. Uh, so according to this lawsuit, which was filed in Lubbock County, Texas, uh, Pfizer misrepresented the results of a clinical trial run on its COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Mr. Paxton, a Republican, said in a statement, quote, we are pursuing justice for the people of Texas, many of whom were coerced by tyrannical vaccine mandates to take a defective product sold by lies. The facts are clear. Pfizer did not tell the truth about their COVID-19 vaccines, end quote. Pfizer and its partner, BioNTech, touted their vaccine as 95% effective against COVID-19 infection in company statements based on the trial. The trial sought to determine how many participants contracted COVID-19 with symptoms after receiving a vaccine, but not, sorry, receiving a vaccine, not COVID-19 overall. Tens of millions of Americans subsequently received the vaccine. The efficacy estimate was a relative risk reduction for vaccinated individuals when compared to unvaccinated participants. Of vaccinated participants who had no evidence of prior infection, 0.04% tested positive for COVID-19. Of unvaccinated participants without prior infection, 0.9% had a COVID-19 case. That meant there was a 95% relative risk reduction. Absolute risk reduction, another way of measuring, is determined by subtracting the post-treatment risk of 0.04% from the baseline risk rate of 0.9%, which reaches a different efficacy estimate. Pfizer misrepresented the efficacy by promoting the relative risk reduction number and relying on just two months of clinical dial, clinical trial data, according to this new lawsuit. It reads, quote, of 17,000 placebo recipients, only 162 acquired COVID during this two-month period. Based on those numbers, vaccination status had a negligible impact on whether a trial participant contracted COVID. The risk of acquiring COVID was so small in the first instance during this short window that Pfizer's vaccine only fractionally improved a person's risk of infection and a vaccine recipient's absolute risk reduction. The FDA's preferred efficacy metric showed that the vaccine was merely 0.85% effective, end quote. That's a pretty big difference. The FDA has stated in guidance documents that relative risk estimates made reduction, quote unquote, seem large and that, quote, treatments are viewed more favorably than when the same information is presented using an absolute risk format, end quote. The agency says drug manufacturers should provide absolute risks in addition to relative risks. Uh, according to Mr. Paxton, Pfizer also misled the public by excluding COVID-19 cases in the vaccinated if they happened before seven days had elapsed following a second dose. There's so many examples of this. Uh, also, the, the Pfizer's own CEO, uh, Albert Burla, uh, made misleading statements, uh, according to the lawsuit, such as claiming after the trial results were released that the vaccine would, quote, help bring an end to, end quote, the pandemic uh, and so forth. So I don't know. I, I think it's good, at least, that we're, we're somehow able to, I guess, sue Pfizer because we, you know, we can't sue them for liability, right? So let's sue them for lying to everybody. That'll work, right? Herbory, what do you think? 
Pfizer suing Poland, Texas suing Pfizer, just uh, lawsuits everywhere. I had a great guest on yesterday, Chris Crowley, who's also uh, he's an attorney dealing with um, free speech litigation down in Florida. And, you know, um, it's one of the last lines of defense, uh, I think, the the law and, and, and lawsuits to fight tyranny. Um, you know, the, I guess more power to Ken and, and others like him. I, I just mentioned um, uh, earlier that here in Mexico, a number of doctors, uh, perhaps even lawyers, but Mexican citizens have come together uh, and, and they carried out um, a constitutional petition to the Mexican government to get the Mexican government to look into um, not going along with the international health regulations of the World Homicide Organization. Uh, and so there is a place for all of this. Um, hopefully he wins, but it just seems like it seems like pharma, Pfizer, all these freaks have God mode, you know, like in the video game. They got God mode. They can do anything. They can just mass inject people, kill as many people as they want. Nothing happens to them. You know, um, it's absolutely crazy. There's no liability. Um, there's just so much evidence. The VAR system, the European VAR systems. I mean, 22-year-old athlete a week ago was just reported dropped dead, a football player in the U.S. I mean... How long, how long is this going to go on right in front of our eyes? Like we're watching it happen and no consequences. The, the power that they have is it's, it's ungodly. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I like how, you know, Ken says we're pursuing justice for the people of Texas, many of whom were coerced by tyrannical vaccine mandates to take a defective product sold by lies. And I just really hope that all around the world, not just in the U.S., but even here in Mexico, and everywhere else that even the normies the npcs the people who took one or two or three or four shots have finally you know sort of figured stuff out have become skeptical i've met people who have taken the shots and said i'm not taking any more we become skeptical that's what we need because you know hopefully that leads to non-compliance the second time uh, around your further thoughts on this lawsuit in Texas, Ruckus? Well, I, I'm, I'm glad I just moved to Texas recently. Yeah, you know, it's actually working out in my favor uh, in some instances. Because where I came from, I mean, the, the the governor there was doing terrible things. The the district attorneys were doing terrible things. The state attorney doing terrible things. They were all just doing terrible things. And I came here and I'm like, hey, look, the the, the people around me here are doing some nice things. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I wonder what it is, Hervori, that allows these big pharmaceutical companies to wield so much power and get away with all of this. What could it be? Oh, money. That's right. Lots and lots of money. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's money that they just dish out uh, everywhere. But yeah, maybe also the, the blackmail stuff, right? All of that Epstein blackmail systems they might uh, have set up. And so... Uh, you know, and I don't doubt even to the point of whacking important people. You know, I, I, I believe there have been documentaries made, you know, even Coca-Cola company um, taking out, uh, you know, workers, rights, leaders in Latin America. Uh, you know, these these are the corporations that we buy our products from that go around, um, you know, <laughs> whacking people. Maybe, you know, we should, you know, pe people have suggested as well. 
uh, pull pull your money out from these uh, companies as much as possible. All right, catch up with you, Ruckus, next time around. Manana, we've got René de Vies. Uh, I'll have to ask him how to pronounce his last name. He's coming up to talk politics and globalism. Phone lines are open. We'll be right back. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as it reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. About to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country's all about. TNT Radio. Joining us for the first time on TNT Radio is René de Vries, Dutch-born in 1965 in the Netherlands, and he was uh, educated as an engineer, entrepreneur, earth scientist. Since 1988, he's been in Canada. He's a father of two. Um, and, you know, he's 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 become involved in geopolitics as he, he's... he's uh, found my podcast and he's met, he, he tells me a number of notable folks, the Prime Minister of Canada, Netherlands, and even Mikhail Gorbachev twice. I've met Gorbachev, Gorby uh, as well. Uh, he in Geneva. Deliber- in Geneva, yes. Uh, and you, you've got a long bio here. Um, in t- 2021, you in Canada, you ran as a candidate for Mac-Yes, uh PPC. I had him on the broadcast last year. He's doing uh, fantastic work. You're pro-family, pro-health. 
uh, anti-climate hoax, anti-big pharma, anti-W. I like how you say world homicide organization. That's what I call it. Uh, Anti-war, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, how are you doing, Rene? Oh, very good. Uh, and I'm pleased you found me. It's it's an exciting day to talk to you also after we, I just came back from Ottawa, actually. And yeah, we're a week into the uh, results of the Dutch election we've been watching. So lots to talk about. So nice uh, that you uh, asked me to come in. I'm always looking for smart people to to talk to and and to learn from. Uh, and I, I I think I noticed you were following me and followed you back. I dug in, dug into your work, uh, and I'm like, we're on the same frequency uh, here. For sure. And, and yeah, and and maybe to start with, um, let's start with the, the the Netherlands. You know, I I had uh, last year on my podcast, I talked to Thierry Baudet, who I'm a big fan of. Um, FVD, uh, that podcast. It's just funny sometimes it happens my podcast with him made national dutch news uh, and even international news le monde wrote an article about my interview with terry where he was jokingly you know talking about space lizards and all this stuff but you know how the mainstream is just going to take whatever they can to to, to weaponize to whack whack Good you discredit, with yeah um yeah for and sure. he literally just got whacked twice in the head which is nuts but you, you know what's going on in within with the dutch um elections and politics well, the, the populist uh, revolution has caught up to the Netherlands. I think um, the, uh, the Dutch farmers uh, has said enough is enough, and they rose uh, with their tractors. And, and uh, actually, in Parliament, already 17 years, the party for, for freedom from uh, Geert Wilbers had been there. They have proportional representation in the Netherlands. So if, if you have 75,000 votes, you can get a seat in Parliament. But... Um, They've been at it now for 20 years there, uh, and parties like Thierry Baudet's uh, FVD and, and Geert Wilbel's PVV have steadily grown. This was the first election in the last 20 years, that was on, uh, on uh, the 22nd of November, where the PVV came in as the top party. And so that puts him in pole position to form a government. Now, the question is, will anybody want to uh, form a government with him? Uh, in the Netherlands, they always have to form coalition governments, uh, usually three or four parties work together and they form the government, take different portfolios and then uh, they agree to a certain uh, approach. The good thing about this is, is that the Dutch electorate obviously is moving away from the entire uh, World Economic Forum bamboozle. And that's, uh, that's now the first time that that has happened. And um, exciting news, very exciting. Actually, uh, yesterday I met Eva Vlardingenbroek, she was in, in Ottawa. Uh, and we talked about that. She also recommended her her big following to to vote for for uh, PVV. And uh, yeah, it's it's moving in the right direction. I would say maybe out of necessity because things are very difficult uh, and dire in Europe. Also, uh, people are finally feeling it uh, very much in their wallet. Uh, what's all going on and what the elites are uh, trying to ram down their throat. And uh, uh, yeah, people are resisting and now uh, voting. And new parties in, and I think that's a good sign. Uh, we see a lot of sweating going on at the highest level, and uh, I hope to translate that uh, populist revolution that, for me, started in 2008. Actually, learning about that things with Ron Paul and looking at what's going on in the Netherlands, um, and um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to engage. You know, I, I have a full-time career in uh, infrastructure development in Canada uh, as an engineer and geoscientist, but uh, this has been always my 
hobby, and now um, it might get serious. Who knows? Uh, I was very active also in the Freedom Convoy, the truckers. Uh, I was, went there twice uh, during uh, the weekends. I even drove in with an RV that looked like a truck <laughs> to support the uh, truckers and hand out cash to them to, to bring them uh, you know, uh, moral support and, and uh, actual support. And uh, yeah, so we've been living that, uh, that Freedom Convoy uh, last night, Chris Barber, one of the main organizers who is now actually going through trial um, re uh, for mischief on <laughs> charges related to the Freedom Convoy. He was there as well. And uh, it's good to hear. And, and yeah, so we're, we're intimately involved there uh, as PPC. I think we were the only party that supported uh, the Freedom Convoy. Um, and, um, and we'll see where this goes. I believe we'll be serving a, a, a big wave of... Um, populism in Canada sooner or later too. I, I really do uh, hope so. And over the past um, almost two years, I've interviewed a lot of great Canadian patriots, Arthur Pawlowski, Henry Hildebrandt, Susan, I'm yeah. forgetting her last name. She's out in the UK, but she was involved with the, I think the convoy and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and Ron Paul, who I met recently this year and had him on my um, I saw your picture. Yeah, wonderful podcast. Yeah, and j just to go back to Netherlands for a moment, and, and I, yeah. I was re reading Mark Root. Uh, he he maybe want might uh, posit himself for the North Atlantic terrorist organization, as I call yes. it. Yes, uh, a NATO. Yeah, but, me too. Um, yeah, and and I've 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 seen some cynics online um, saying, you know, regarding what you just outlined, this shift in direction um, in the Netherlands towards populism that. Um, it's it's they're still kind of cynical but do, do you think that um are, are you optimistic and do you think i mean have they started expropriating the the farmland yet in netherlands or do you think we're going to be able to stop that i think that will be stopped now and in that sense that the farmers uh, pushing back has been a big success and now uh Geert wilbers has also expressed that he wants to change that you know no uh expropriation of lands of uh, or changing that of farmers and so uh, we'll see what comes out of it. It's a definite shift. Now, can they actually translate this into government policy? That's the big question, right? It's it's still with uh, uh, the Green Party um, was led by uh, a Euro technocrat, uh, Timmermans, uh, and he uh, they formed a new party with Labour and Green, Green uh, to try to challenge. They came in um, at 27 seats, I think, uh, and that's behind the 36 seats of Wilbur's, but that made him one of the bigger parties there. If Wilbur's cannot make a, uh, cannot organize a, a, a government because people might say, we don't want to govern with you, then it's possible that some of the sec, the parties in, in, in second position will take over. And that could still include, uh, uh, Franz Timmermans, uh, party. And yeah, um, it's good to remain cynical and to remain cautious mostly. It's a, it's a it's a definite win at the moment, mostly in the public relations end. And 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 don't forget the three leading leaders of the parties that formed the previous coalition government basically have left politics, including Rata. Well, Rata is going yeah to the North Atlantic uh, terrorist organization. Yeah, that's a good name. I I called it that way already since I was fifteen. I called it like that in the Netherlands. Uh, we were demonstrating in '85 in The Hague the big demonstrations against nuclear uh, nuclear warhead deployment in the Netherlands, and so yeah, we 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 never saw it as something that actually protected us, at least in my um, political leanings. Um, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that the other um, leaders 
Siegfried uh, uh, Kach from uh, from DSS was a coalition party of uh, of uh, Mark Rutte's VVD uh, and also the um, the leader of one of the other parties. They all offer a CDA. That's a Christian Democratic Party. Uh, those three leaders they they left politics. So yeah, that's quite it's it's a drubbing for the establishment, and that in itself is a one simple message that I think we can take heart from. And after Argentina, what happened there, and now uh, in uh, in the Netherlands and and other mm-hmm. countries, Italy uh, in Europe, I think there's something moving now. Do we need to stay on the on the lookout? Yes, for sure, because geopolitically. I don't know if you follow uh, the conspiracies of Al- Albert Pike. Yes, if uh, you, you could hold that thought, though, Rene. Yeah. Uh, I, and I've been talking on, about that as well over the past oh. few weeks and months. We, we got to jump to our headlines and we'll come right back. TNT Radio News. We are your station for news. News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hamas has taken responsibility for a deadly mass shooting that was carried out at a crowded bus stop in Jerusalem during the Thursday morning rush hour, which killed three people and injured at least eight others during a ceasefire with Israel. Henry Kissinger died on Wednesday, November 29th at the age of 100. Dr. Kissinger was a conservative internationalist, one who favored engagement over neutrality, but who prioritized American interests in doing so. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. We continue our chat with René de Vries. You can find him on X uh, or Twitter. Also check out peoplespartyofcanada.ca. And we were talking about NATO, and I forgot I have this sticker for people viewing. And NATO terrorism. And this is, of course, from the Ron Paul Institute. I attended their conference uh, twice earlier this year. Um, And and, and before getting to the Albert Pike stuff, just real quick, uh, you met Gorbachev and I... He, he was supposed to come to my graduation in Geneva in 2009. He was given the honorary uh, diploma that year, but he couldn't make it because of you know, medical issues. Uh, his right-hand man came, who I met, and then um, uh, I went in 2016 on a citizen's diplomacy uh, mission for three weeks uh, to Russia. Nice. And we got to spend a couple hours with um, Gorbachev. I got to talk to him very briefly and shake his hand. And of course he passed. But what was your interaction with uh, Gorbachev? Uh, I was involved with Earth Dialogues and uh, through Green Cross International that he was running. Uh, he And you know that overlapped with my environmental background uh, and I was engaging politically as well. And uh, yeah, we met twice in Geneva for for Earth Dialogue uh, discussions. We had, uh, you know, part of a larger delegation of, uh, of having lunch with them. I represented Canada then, actually, uh, at these Earth Dialogues, and we were talking about w- what to do from an environmental perspective. It was, was interesting. Um, and uh, through it, yeah, I, 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 he, <laughs> he was my, my, I guess, youth hero uh, for, bringing, for helping to bring the Cold War to an end uh, peacefully with uh, Reagan. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a uh, living a dream to meet him. 
and have lunch with them and uh, and see the aura of a man like that and a great statesman like that. And it's, uh, yeah, the, I, I, I'm, I was mostly doing that to learn what's going on. So, yeah. Too good. bad we, we, we won't have a chance to meet uh, Henry no. Kissinger as he's kicked the bucket. Oh. But, you know, he wasn't on my uh, list, but he, he, he we could have conducted a citizen's arrest, maybe like Luke uh, Radowski tried, right? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, um, well, I, I just, but one interesting oh, thing can I, can I, it, 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 just one thing that comes to my mind we're proud of this November 22nd, uh, Dr. Frouchy was going to come to Hamilton, Ontario. And we we were agitating online, and he canceled it. So that is not that success, some, no. That that is some good news. I've been to Hamilton. I've I've spent a couple of months in in Canada. Um, just one more note on Gorbachev, though. And you know, I I will take any opportunity I can to meet any. I mean, people like Gorbachev. I mean, that's like living mm -hmm. um, history. But you know, I do have some doubts. He has here and there also kind of promoted you know global um government sure. you know any yeah well you know uh, the whole uh, club of rome and environmentalism yes you know uh, he he with maurice strong he was the one that started green cross international in brazil after the rio de janeiro conference so uh, yeah that that in the end uh, when i became dissolution with the with the globalizing aspects of environmentalism and and the climate hoax uh, that's still perpetrated by the way later i have a very good uh, today in Canada's Parliament, Trudeau was going completely unhinged on climate change. Uh, we, I could share that with you. I went at the right time. That was just uh, too funny. We, we should, we should bring that to to people, and and, uh, uh, but yeah. So I have that problem with him. But uh, I mean, no, no uh, nobody. And and I was listening to your previous podcast. I think people recognize. Uh, there's good environmentalism and bad environmentalism. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we actually brought with with clean water and and clean sanitation. We brought life expectancy up in the 19th century, largely e even before uh, the vaccines supposedly were were going to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm proud of that. And there's still work to be done there. I don't know if you know that, but in Canada, city of Montreal is still pumping uh, uh, sewer waste untreated in the Saint Lawrence River. So. Uh, uh, millions of of, uh, of gallons. So uh, that's something that uh, there's still lots to, lots of work to be done for infrastructure uh, projects and and people like myself. And so yeah, uh, uh, I I like to fo focus on that and I'm proud to be involved with that in Canada where we're doing some of the great uh, big infrastructure projects right now. I I can I think I could talk to you for hours on so many things. Let's jump. Hold the yeah yeah yeah. We're, we're jumping a bit back and forth. Right, yeah. but I want to go back. You mentioned Albert Pike and and going uh, geopolitically and and you know wh wh where were you going uh, with that? Well, yeah, I guess uh, looking at the larger geopolitical streams and and uh, some of the well, what are the forces that that. Uh, that pushed this. Actually, my first uh, encounter with your podcast was related to the big corporations like the East Indian uh, Company uh, and uh, the, the Dutch East Indian Company that overlapped them with statehood. And uh, you, you were having, I thought, that fascinating discussions about that. Yeah, and actually, 16th century, I guess, when the royalties were starting to move around in 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 Europe, and the, the William the Third, William of Orange the Third, became king of. England, uh, and th that's when the deep state was born, ultimately, or that's when it started. And I've always tried to understand, well, how does this deep state function, and how does it connect with 
with environmentalism too, as well. And, you know, uh, Robert Malthus is often mentioned there as uh, the father of, uh, of env modern environmentalism. And, and we're living in a way in an, in an era of neo-Malthusianism where, where the, the, the elites uh, ha use that method as a way of, of arguing that, well, we're, we're dealing with scarcity and therefore we, we have to prepare for that and we have to prepare for fewer people because that's better for, for what, what's left. And that thinking has permeated, I think, elite, elitist um, uh, mindset and uh, uh, ultimately led to things like the Club of Rome and, and also uh, I think the, the, that that's a committee of 300 that uh, Dr. John Coleman has put on the map and, and really outlined well. Like I saw it actually appear back in, uh, in the book from Alex Jones that he recently brought out to the Great uh, Awakening. Uh, I think it's generally recognized that all these elites uh, behind the scene are trying to push in one direction. Now, a guy like Albert Pike, who's he's, who's mixed in that as one of the Freemasons, he predicted uh, the the First and Second World War accurately, how it played itself out to the, the forces that would have to be agitated. And basically, he said in, in what, the late 1800s, that, uh, well, this is what we need to do in order to create uh, order out of chaos. And... Uh, and the third world war is still uh, to be fought between Zionism and uh, and radical Muslim uh, in in uh, yeah in the Middle East. Well, we're now uh, yeah watching that. Uh, is that going to happen? Is it going to be escalated? Uh, that's obviously a big concern for all of us uh, and all uh, all of us peace-loving people that do not want a second or a, a, another big war like uh, World War III, given all the anxiety around that and the weapons that we have right now to uh, to use. So yeah. That's that's my thinking. What what do you think of that? I I totally agree with you. But by, by the way, my that was a recent podcast I think I did with Daniel Natal, uh, who used to yeah, be right. uh, yeah he used to be on the with New American um and uh, New American Alex Newman who I've had on TNT as well does great work. Actually, tomorrow morning both Daniel Natal and myself will be on a live stream on um, one of our friend um, alternative media broadcasters, AM Wake Up, so people can listen to Daniel and myself tomorrow morning. Oh, cool. just shooting, yeah, that was an excellent discussion. I really enjoyed that. That was a gem that a friend of mine in Canada, Wogpok, on online actually found it uh, and 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 uh, got me tuned into that. And yeah, I was very happy to find it. There. So I connected with you guys. Yeah, I knew you were tuning TNT radio already through Patrick Henning Henningson. Uh, so yeah, the, I talked to him uh, on spaces actually. Yeah, so yeah, you know, and then Daniel Natal. I mean, he's he's very well read and explained all that uh, very well. But you know what you outlined as well. You know, twenty years I've been looking at this stuff, Alfred Pike, and it's just playing out as the elites um, have projected and. It's ultimately they want world government. You know, I was reading last yes. in, in there. I'm, I'm reading a book from the 1970s, academic book that's talking about we need to lower. It literally says talks about what you said, the Malthusianism. We, we need to lower the population, manage resources, um, install a scientific dictatorship, technocracy, and, and bring about world government. Last week, um, the Democracy Without Borders, which is a, a private organization pushing for um, world government i've interviewed one of their founders it's on my podcast a couple years ago and he was he you know i wanted to get him on to get his thoughts he wants a world government and uh they put out a blog a week or two ago saying you know oh the, what's the problem israel palestine the conflict you know what the solution is world government and so <laughs> that just seems i mean they literally that's what they're saying and so the solution yeah. you know whether it's environment climate um health pandemic wars world wars the solution it's one solution for everything 
Um, yeah, but world the hubris government. of this group is just unrivaled, right? The, 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 the pandemonium they create, the death and destruction. If you have to create World War One, Two, and Three in order to get to your goal, and then it doesn't pan out because look at how Russia and China are behaving. They, they're definitely saying no, and they've created now the, the multipolar world in, in response. Uh, yeah, how uh, when will they say no? When will they uh, give up and say, okay, well, maybe it's not such a good idea after all? And that's, I think, what the populist movement, if we want to just distill it down, is tell, people are rising up and say, we don't think this is a good idea, what you're trying to do here. And, and uh, um, yeah, let's redefine nationalism and, and live in peace. We, uh, we, we don't have to conquer the whole world. You know, uh, Hitler's and Napoleon's adventures into Russia also didn't work out so well. Uh, I don't think NATO, uh, North American t terrorist organization adventure in Ukraine is working out that well. Um, so are we learning something here? Uh, maybe maybe we can take a different uh, tack. And I think that's what this populist turn is about. Uh, however, the yeah, cynical people will say, well, you know what? The elites are in charge anyways. They will get they will push for, forward. And this is exactly what the, um, uh, that's another podcast podcast I, uh, I I watch a lot on geopolitics uh, Duran is is basically saying that the neocons they only have one gear which is forward right and they will not so they will not stop and the neocons I guess are now aligned with that with that clique or the ruling elites whatever you want to call them but I mean the the beauty in, in my opinion is uh, that it, this is all getting exposed in the, the last 20 years in, in in the internet era and that's their their Achilles heel right now because people are saying no no <laughs> now you can see it no we definitely don't want a world war in in um, in Palestine or Israel right uh, and and no matter how much you agitate this and and I actually am hopeful what with what I see there now uh, it's almost like Iran and the other countries around it ha have read read these books they understand this no we don't want to escalate this so that that we can just get more uh, chaos. I mean, you can see it's artificial, like they're yeah. trying so hard, um, you know, the hardliners in the Israeli um, government and in, in the Brussels and Washington and London, um, it's like they're they're cooking and, you know, there's not enough fire. Um, people don't want to, you know, start the World War yeah. Three party and they just keep pushing. They're like, come on, you know, that that meme with the stick, like, come on, you know, t take the bait and no one wants to. And and, you know, just today, uh, the Russian Supreme Court uh, uh, labeled the LGBT movement as uh, extremism um, to, to defend, you know, traditional conservative values in, in Russia. So it kind of goes to what you're saying. Uh, Rene, we got to jump to our break. We will be right back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? The stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries, by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The Garda disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. 
Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year, Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is our final segment with uh, René de Vries. He was a former candidate for the People's Party of Canada, the, the PPC run by uh, Maxime Bernier. And, and uh, to get back maybe to Trudeau, you mentioned, I think I saw a clip of Trudeau mm-hmm. recently and it was really out of this world. The, the, um, Trudeau was like, the Canadian people are worried about the weather, you know, climate change. Well, like- you want me to play this little clip here? That's today in the parliament. Well, he's basically, he's basically saying that, uh, um, well, he's accusing the Conservative Party of not believing in, in climate change uh, narrative. And he says, well, you guys don't, uh, if you keep on going like this and you do not support my tax, then you do not, will not get a white Christmas. And we are standing for Christmas. Like, how, <laughs> how unhinged can you get? It's, it's just, it's, you know, I'm so disappointed with Trudeau. Like this, it's gone from bad to worse, and it's a it's a total disaster at the moment. We're just watching this and thinking, what is the next uh, calamity that that he will <laughs> unleash? And that's well, this was it today. You know, talking about it's, we're not going to have a white Christmas unless we pay more taxes. No, I mean it's completely unhinged. I mean, if we put together a whole collage from him uh, saying China is a <laughs> China is a dictatorship, which is good, we should be like that, and then yeah. saying Canadians are worried and freaked out about climate change, and then this from today is just nuts. And then I was reading that he is working with the EU to push digital ID, um, which is, is basically to introduce a social credit system into Canada. And so, you know, your thoughts on how on the state of things in Canada and then, um, you know, the, the populist pushback, you know, Max, I, I've looked at some of the candidates, even the conservatives, like I can never pronounce his last name, Pierre Poliev, I think. Yeah. Um, and it seems like for me, I, I, I like Maxime Bernier. And I think even I saw on the Twitter today on yours and, and Maxime's uh, that Pierre is maybe like a fake populist um, a conservative. Your, your, your further thoughts there? Well, definitely. In my opinion is uh, Pierre is just a blue version of Trudeau. Uh, now, people people don't say that, and he's talking differently at the moment. He's definitely taken some air out of the purple balloon uh, by te- by coming up with populist uh, themes, uh, the purple uh, PPC balloon. But uh, I mean, um, there's there's certain good initiatives going on. Leslin Leslin Lewis, uh, one of his star uh, MPs uh, at the P- uh, at the Conservative Party, she's running a 
a petition at the moment uh, opposing the entire World Health Organization treaty. Uh, and uh, th that's unexpected. But even though uh, Pierre is not um, not loudly touting that, I don't know if you've been following it in the world. There's now a third country, Philippines, that has said no today. Uh, I, I was uh, looking. Uh, and if if a kind of if a G7 country like Canada could do that, great. And we do have people taking up themes like that in in uh, conservative MPs taking up uh, uh, things like that. But even on the carbon uh, um, taxes situation, um, when confronted directly last week, Pierre uh, Polivier said, uh, "No, he's not leaving the Paris Accord." Uh, and it was Harper in 2015 from the conservatives and 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 pierre polivier was a, a student of harper that that got a sign on to the world economic forum directive so we we see that not much will change if he comes in people hate trudeau now and they want to get him out at all cost and oh uh, we all have to vote for pierre otherwise uh trudeau is not going to get out but i think it's a well as as Maxime rightly calls him. He's a fake conservative. He's he's maybe center center left even with some of his policies. They recently voted uh, for Bill, Bill C four, which is uh, for basically promoting transgenderism in, in Canada. Uh, that all the policies are very. I would say ninety percent of the Trudeau policies will stay in place, including the mass migration, which has caused so much. Um, uh, concern also, especially in Europe, and and that actually caused the PVV to rise to power in the end uh, this year. What will happen here? I'm I am um, you know disappointed with the passivity of Canadians. Uh, the 80% of uh, people they think well they don't want to be bothered. I think largely with politics, and then okay, an easy solution. Let's vote. To, I think 80% is also disappointed with or tired of uh, of trudeau mainly because of all the inflation that's caused massive price hikes everywhere and and uh, that's that's a big concern for people and okay there's a politician that's going to promise to m improve that that's pierre uh, it's not going to change much in my opinion my, uh, and uh, that's yeah well um i think people will have to learn the hard way over the next if if they elect Pierre in 25, because that's when the official election is uh, is supposed to happen. It could happen sooner if if the coalition between the NDP and the Liberals end. I expect, though, based on every all the hubris and narcissism that I see in Trudeau, is he will want to hold on as long as he can, and that means until 25. Now, then they'll elect uh, Polivier, and if things don't significantly improve uh, at that point, I think after that, especially if we have a good... I don't know what your perspective is in 24 in the U.S. If we see uh, good options rise, Canada often, especially if we have a good, I don't know what your perspective is in 24 in the U.S. If we see uh, good options rise, Canada often follows the U.S. And if in 24 we see Trump come back or we see uh, Kennedy come in, now we might uh, we might see something uh, positive happen. Uh, and um, and in 25, Canada will uh, will be right for for populist wave here, and um, yeah, that's what I'm working for. I see it uh, actually. Listen, people like you and I, who have I think the right main mindset about this, have analyzed this correctly. We have 10 years to flatten the tyranny. That uh, we have to have that long-term mindset uh, because uh, uh, that that's what it takes. And even if we have temporary wins, uh, the little club of Roma people will come back to uh, to knock us back. So let, let's let's just steal our mind for this challenge. And, and just look at it that way. So, and that's how, what I've resorted to as well. 
I'm gonna steal that and have to try to remember that. Flatten the the tyranny. Flatten the tyranny. And, yeah. <laughs> that should we hashtag that right right now. Someone put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Record. And, <laughs> and um Melanie Jolie, your foreign minister, I was commenting uh some weeks ago, a month or two ago, she comes out and says, uh, watch out everyone. US next year is gonna become a far right you know tyranny dictatorship and there was a journalist that actually caught up with her and i think it was her husband or someone eating ice cream strolling around and you know wh what about the far left tyranny in canada you're freezing people's bank accounts like just order yeah. it's 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 nuts and you know we got four minutes left but you know out of everything that we've discussed you know war the eugenicist green agenda my biggest fear that I keep banging on about is this cashless uh, system, this this social well, credit okay, good system. Good news there, actually. Good news today. Look at Maxime's tweet. Actually, uh, there was the Financial Post here, which is a mainstream publication, did and did detailed research, and uh, they said the majority of Canadians don't want this. And I think, uh, in that sense, culture has cat caught up or at least is educating people and say this is not good for you because we're going to implement a social credit system um i also believe that even pierre polivier have said uh, we're not going to go that route now no or he said something like we're not going to make it mandatory uh so they might implement it and then sort of run it side by side um the the cash system and see how it goes uh but yeah if that happens that that is just a death by a thousand cuts, right? They tried to implement it in a slow way, but it, I think there's some good news there because that 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 uh, that research that was done clearly shows that people are, don't want it and that they're starting to wake up to the the nefarious side of it, including the whole social credit system uh, perspective on it. Our party is strongly against it now. Uh, see, we f fulfill an interesting role for the conservatives. We we feed them all sorts of things that are bad, and they might take it on um and and we're fine with that uh you know as long as they actually uh, follow through with it and this cbdc i i have a chance i think um yeah uh, there, there's a serious pushback there so we're not like europe that already is pretty much ex has accepted it right so yeah you know we need all the good news that we can get i mean even here in mexico though i mean in all countries they're trying to implement this every time i log into my banking app the screen you know pops up this notification activate it's called, I think, DME, the con contactless option, uh, you know, what they want you to use instead of cash, you know, you, where you swipe with your phone or NFC. And I, every time I'm like, no, 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 I've never activated it. I'm not going to. I just no. use cash nonstop all the time. Uh, and, you know, many Mexicans use cash. They're not big on this digital stuff, although that's changing, right? They're, they're focusing on the next generation, the youth. Um, and that that's a key. Convenient, right? It's how to yeah. sell it. Well, Convenient. listen, I'm not against uh, decentralized uh, uh, currency, Bitcoin and others, uh, and, and I, we'll have to see how they play itself out. I think we just have to, keep, and your podcast doing a great job that way, keep on educating people and uh, change the culture, make, make people aware of these problems. And we're doing that too as a political party with our youth section. Uh, and it's good to see that actually uh, within that group, People are starting to wake up, and let's keep keep on, uh, you know, the great awakening alive. I, I'm I'm happy to see that. We also saw Christine Anderson yesterday, and she's uh, people like that. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, moving and shaking. Um, it's it's good. I I think there's there's. I would have to agree actually with Alex Jones that the great awakening is in progress, and and we just have to uh, come together where we can and and help each other in that process.
it's it's been great having you on uh renee to talk to freedom fighters uh up in the northern part of the north yes. american All union right. i'm down here in the southern part of the north american union uh 30 seconds left real quick where are the, be the best websites for people to go uh well people's party of canada.ca uh, that's our general uh, that's our platform go to our platform you'll love it uh, everything makes sense common sense uh, social uh, liberal uh, or uh, uh, true libertarian and and fiscal conservatives um, my personal ex account is afco de Vries. that's best way to get a hold of me that's my uh, middle name and okay. name of my grandfather so yeah uh, yeah time. thank you thank you